Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. In a world where social media is king and everyone is an expert in everything, get the facts from your insiders here on Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. Here are your hosts. Corey Crenshaw and Richie Flores. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I have a a large bone to pick with one item of Thanksgiving, though. Let's see if Richie agrees with me, but I obviously have to bring him in in order to have that discussion. So with me, per the usual, is my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? Hello, Corey. Um, we, as we were talking before the show, um, every sport brings me pain. I'm not a sports fan anymore. I, I'm not. I, I think I'm just a curling fan now, and then like a Suns fan too, and that's it. <laughs> you can be a curling fan very soon because the Winter Olympics are coming about the time of your birthday. So, mm-hmm. uh, wait a second. Are we doing a? uh olympics themed birthday this year we should Ooh, yeah i think we we actually talked about that before that'd be fun yes Yes, we do i think that's (laughs) that's definitely in the cards but yeah no um sports today was not the greatest so i think we're gonna swiftly move on from that and you know considering the fact that my team can't even um you know have the quarterback lineup behind the center, but that's okay. Um, we're we're going to talk about something else that pisses me off. And I'm going to see if you agree with me or not, because this is something that I just ran into. I was digging through some more leftovers. I can't even look at turkey anymore at this point. It's just too much turkey. But as I was dr- digging through all of the pies... Um, I did not realize that the pies that I had been given were the incorrect pies. Scotty quickly snapped up the two kind of mushed together slices of pie that were safe and left me with all of the shitty pie. And all of the shitty pie, I would like to call pecan pie. Why is that a pie? I don't think you're wrong there. I don't have much admiration for pecan pie. I don't 
I haven't had it in a, in several years, so I don't I don't really have a strong opinion about it. But I think it's one of those pies that you either love or you hate. You're not in between the middle on. It's it's very divisive. Yeah, I mean, it is such a terrible idea. I don't understand. There's like there's people in my family that were asking, "Is there pecan pie?" which my mom made it and she likes it. There's people in my family that ask for it. I can't stand it. Why would you think, mm, I'm going to make a nut really sweet, put it all over a pie and all of a sudden make it a dessert? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's very, very, anytime I've had it, it's very, very sweet. But, like, it's also a nut at the same time. I just feel like it's not, it's not normal. This is not, it's defying the uh, logics of what a nut is. It is not dessert. Yeah, I don't know who, I don't know who came up with pecan pie. Now, I there's uh, some debate about the pronunciation of it. Do you pronounce it pecan or pecan? Um, I, I pronounce it pecan. Uh, pecan just sounds a little harsh. <laughs> like, listen to the difference in that. Pecan. Pecan. <laughs> yeah, pecan sounds a lot more inviting. Like, hey, would you like a piece of pecan pie? Instead of, hey, would you like a piece of pecan pie? I, f I feel like I'm like an alien there. <laughs> it sounds like I'm saying toucan, pecan, yes. toucan. Like I, I would think that I, someone is trying to offer me the uh, the Fruit Loops bird. <laughs> yes. Okay. I have some some history here. According to Wikipedia, uh, some have stated that the French invented pecan pie soon after settling in New Orleans, after being introduced to the pecan nut by the Native American Quinnipissa and Tang Tangapahoa tribes. Claims have also been made of pecan pie existing in the early 1800s in Alabama, but this does not appear to be backed up by recipes or literature. Um, the makers of caro syrup significantly contributed to popularizing the dish in many of the recipes um, of the classic pie. The company has claimed that the dish was a 1930s discovery and a new, year, new use for corn syrup by a corporate sales executive's wife. So that's the thing. It's like it's not even a thing. It literally is just a corporate invention. So you are all buying into the corporate invention that is pecan pie. So if you are a person that hates Valentine's Day because you think it's a corporate holiday, like, you know, just being able to sell you all the candy and all that shit, but you like pecan pie, you're a hypocrite. Yes. I'm just calling out probably like a good half of our listeners, probably. <laughs> There's probably a solid 50-50 split of people who, I don't know. I just can't understand liking it. Yeah, I, we, we saw a decent amount of it at the old Sprouts this year. So people seem to love it. So what what is the most popular pie that goes through your line? 
Well, considering we had sold out of pumpkin pie on the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, it's pumpkin for sure. Uh, and I'd say apple is is second, and then pecan after that. Okay, the first two, absolutely, totally understand. The third, why? Why? <laughs> the ones, okay, so I had asked for my leftovers to be um, pumpkin and apple. That's what I had asked for my leftovers to be. I somehow got packaged up blueberry and pecan. Odd. <laughs> Don't know how we ended up with those. That was not what I had asked for. You ended up with the two worst possible pies. But I still would have liked to have eaten the blueberry one over the pecan. I tried even eating that layer that's underneath the nuts. That's like the kind of, uh, I don't know. It's kind of a, a mushier part of it that has just kind of like sweetness to it. And it, it's mm -hmm. right before the crust. Mm -hmm. And nope, couldn't save it. I, I literally stuck it on my tongue was like, nope, nope, none of that. So, you know, uh, th those pies just kind of got thrown away. And then um, Scotty ate the blueberry. So I got no leftover pie. That's the moral of the story here. That's total crap. You got screwed over big time in this situation. I know. What is this? I don't end up getting leftover pie. And I, you know, and then he, he sits on the couch and goes, I could really use some ice cream. And I go, after you stole my pies? This is, I, you guys, I keep going on about this. This and pecan pie just ruined my night. But uh, I digress. Well, quickly, before we move on, you know that there is about 85% of my pumpkin pie left here at the apartment? I have told... Papa Crenshaw, too, that he has to try a bite of it because he's big, big bourbon mm -hmm. guy. So I told him that he has to try a piece. We we have to meet up at some point so I can get some of your pumpkin pie. Yes. And I, I promise I'll save some just for you. Thank you. Um, we got we got we got plenty left. I made two pies this year, one for my family and one for one for me and for Kat and for you. And so there's plenty left, plenty to try. I Here's what I would say about I would review my own pie this year. It's delicious as always. I used This year I used Buffalo Trace bourbon in the pie, which is um, a little change from past. Usually I'll use, I've used Maker's Mark in the past. I think I've used Jack in the past. But I went with the, I went with the Buffalo Trace this year, which is a nice bourbon. And um, I think I may have put a little too much of it in there. So... If you're not used to the flavor of it, you may not like it. So I, I, I put that disclaimer f like at the forefront, depending on it, how much whipped cream you put on it. And I know we've had this discussion before. That's going to change how that, because I like to put a, uh, a nice dollop on there. So that way I get a little bit of whipped cream in every bite. And so it balances out the over whiskification of the pie quite well. But if you eat it without the whipped cream, then you get a heavy dose of the bourbon, and that taste is not for everybody. However, I do I like it that way. 
Uh, we, well, yeah, that's why you do bourbon in yours is because of the fact that you uh, love having it in there. That That's going to be interesting. And there's... Am I going to have a feeling of getting drunk off of your pie? Not be, you know, obviously it's been baked out, but, um, but just psychosomatically, is it that much or is it, you know, just where you're like, ah, it's a tad too much. It's a, it's just a tad too much. Like you, that's the first thing you taste is you taste, I think you taste the whiskey before the pumpkin. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm excited for this. I'm excited. I'll have to tell the Sporty Nation how it is this year compared to the previous years that I've tried it. Yes, and there'll be more because I will make some more for for um, for Christmas too. One t- one time I'll have to have you try my grandma's bread pudding, which is also made with whiskey in it. Oh yes, I actually am a big fan of bread pudding. It's actually quite good. It's I had long, delicious. Ha, yeah, I haven't had it in a, in a long time, um, but if it's done right, it's good. My grandma makes it every single year, and like the she'll make the the bread part of it, and then the topping part we have to make together every single year, or she gets feisty. <laughs> and she brings over the little tiny thing of whiskey every single time, and just pours the whole thing in there. And it's delicious. So now we've got to trade our our whiskey desserts on each of the holidays. That is a deal. I wonder if anyone else does a certain type of um, alcohol in there, either like their food or their like their normal dinner food or in their desserts for holidays. You know, if there's like people that always use wine and things and stuff like that as as we do with whiskey that's a great question actually i'm actually kind of curious about that myself yeah it's i feel like people don't ever really think about it but you know when you go to um restaurants and stuff i think when i go one of the things i get at cheesecake factory which is like a chicken or sala or something like that um I think the sauce on that is a white wine that's in that. And the, there is actually wine that is used for more food than you could even imagine. You just never notice it's in there. Right, right. Or vodka sauce and pastas. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, Sporty Nation, let us know what your favorite alcohol is to put in your food. Because you know we don't we don't talk about alcohol enough on the show. Might as well throw it in our food as well. Yeah. I'm, uh, by the way, before we move on to some coyote stuff, I am drinking a rosé tonight from Knocking Point, of course, um, my favorite winery, and uh, it is the Game Time Rosé, and it's quite good. I'm not I... the biggest rosé person in the world, but uh, but it's a nice nice. Nice, easy, perfect wine to drink while you're recording a podcast, and to like kind of injure in, in in the night in a way. I was going to drink rosé with you, and in fact, Cat left me um, some rosés that are in like a little can um, that I could have just grabbed. I think they're called like Babe or something like that. But um, 
I was going to grab one of those. And then I remembered that my Thanksgiving started on Wednesday. So this was that I have drank alcohol Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Today is the only day I haven't drank alcohol. And I was like, you know what? I should probably take a day off. Good. I'm so, not going to be an, I'm not going to be an enabler here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, once I stopped and thought about it, cause it's just, I feel like holiday weekends are basically all of that because then you have leftovers and then when they have the leftovers, they're like, oh, well, this is a bottle of wine that we bought for it that people didn't drink. So here we got to drink this bottle of wine, which doesn't make any sense because you don't have to open it and just leave it for Christmas. But um, still did all of that. And then there was a, a, a maple beer that was involved, which I got to have you try. It's right up your alley. Literally, as soon as it got poured... Scotty goes, this is a Richie type of beer. That's the one that, that I got a text about, right? Yes. And they're apparently Ooh. out of Peoria. So we'll have to go find it. Oh, yeah. I got I 100% got to try it. It looks delicious. So, yeah. I That's why I'm taking a break. I am drinking water for this podcast. But I haven't gone soft on you guys, I promise. I'm just giving my liver a break after a long weekend. <laughs> and uh, I think that's a, a great a great decision on your part. And I feel like a lot of people are doing that coming out of the Thanksgiving holiday too, because I feel like Thanksgiving among the holidays is is a a very much a drinking holiday. Absolutely. <laughs> and so uh, it wouldn't surprise eating a bunch of carbs. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if if that if a lot of people are doing the same thing and taking Sunday today that we're recording as like an off day from drinking before they go back to work. Hey, I mean, I would hope so. I, I know of some of my friends that like went out for, um, the ASU U of A game, um, which once again, ASU has won the territorial cup. And uh, we could not be any prouder to be Sun Devils. And, uh, you know, sucks to suck, Wildcats. Sorry <sighs> for our listeners that are uh, Wildcat fans and went to U of A. But, um, and I know some of them are, are still drinking today from the uh, celebration from yesterday. So maybe not everyone is, but I, I think uh, there is a a solid majority of people that are thinking maybe I should ease myself into Monday because after a four-day weekend, it sucks. Work. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, I'd have to agree with, with you on, on that. Um, five straight wins for Arizona State football in the Territorial Cup, by the way. So no pity for the kitty, Sporting Nation. And speaking of, of football... You, I know that everybody in the Sporting Nation loves them some DraftKings Sportsbook now. Of course, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And you can be a winner if one single point is scored. All you got to do, if you're a new customer, is sign up with the promo code THPN and bet $1 on any team to score 
and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score. When you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with the promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. For details, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know, Richie, it's it's very interesting that the last time we were recording, um, which was on the 21st, I we were recording while watching the Coyotes game, and I did not have a lot of faith in the Coyotes to pull that game out, and I didn't have a ton of faith in Vimelka to pull that out, but they pulled that game out 2-1, to one, to only lose their last two games against Edmonton and Dallas, but at least they were competitive in both, which brings up an interesting point of, is this the team that we expected to see? It just took them, you know, what was it, 13 losses somewhere in there to finally start balancing themselves out i guess this is the team we thought we were going to see after seeing we have we did tell everyone preseason doesn't really mean shit but the we thought there might be a surprise decentness in this team and they definitely did not show it through the beginning of the season i mean you know uh wedgwood had to come in and kill that 11 game losing streak but um it's this is finally, I think, the team that we all thought it would be, which was at, at least competitive and still keeping up the tank. You know, I think that's an interesting point. And what I would say about that is, if I'm not mistaken, the Coyotes are still dead last in the league in goal differential at minus 38, and they are indeed dead last in that. But here's the thing. If you... And this isn't how this works, but I find it fascinating. You go back to the first couple of games of the season, right? Which is when your goaltender was Carter Hutton, and they were giving up ridiculous amounts of goals because Carter Hutton was so bad in net, right? You go back to those first couple of games, and you go back to Columbus. They got beat by six goals. St. Louis, they got beat by three. Edmonton, they got beat by four. Right there, that's... 13, a minus 13 goal differential just in those three games alone, you know? And since then, without Carter Hutton, they at least have been competitive, like you said, and they've been hanging around in games, and that is way more than I would have expected from this team because I didn't expect this team to be competitive at all. I expected them to be legit one of the worst teams we've seen in the modern, you know, era post really post lockout. I'll say that right. Post 2004, 2005 lockout. I thought they were going to be that bad. And they've proven to me over the last week and a half to 10 days here on this little bit of a, a, a streak that they've been on here where that they can stay competitive and they can still win games. And a lot of that is in thanks to Scott Wedgwood, who's been playing really well since he's come over off of waivers and and I think you're you're right. You know, I think we're finally starting to see this team play like the team they're going to be for the rest of the season, which is they're going to win some games, right? They're not going to be a 500 team by any means, but they're, you're going to come into town 
here in Arizona or they're on the road and they're not going to lay down for it. I've said this on every podcast imaginable I can think of, and I'm going to say it again. I'm going to keep saying it like they're way more competitive than I thought they would be. And like you said, you know, they hung around against, against the Edmonton Oilers who are one of the best teams in the league. Right. You know, they, they, um, they were in that game until the third period, right. When Edmonton, you know, came out and scored some goals and they were all, in fact, Shane Goshersberg scored with less than five minutes to go in that game to make that game a one goal game. Right. Um, and Shane Goshersberg was having a great season and they were in the game against Dallas too. Right. After a slow start in that game. And so granted Dallas is a lot worse, but I think you're right. Like they're starting to finally figure things out. Right. You, we know that they had a new coaching staff, a lot of new players on this roster. It's going to take time, and I think you're finally starting to see a team that is starting to play up to its, I don't say potential, but like we're, we're starting to see the team we're going to see for the rest of the season, which is at the very least a watchable hockey team. And that goes back to your point, Corey, from the very beginning of the season that the Coyotes can't afford to be really, really bad because they still got to get people to come to games. They still got to – you know, generate some sort of buzz surrounding this organization. And if they stay competitive and they put on fun games to watch, you know, like they did against Dallas and, and whatnot, um, against the Kraken, like we talked about, like people are going to still come to games because they're at least putting on an entertaining product, even though um, the team is losing. Yeah. Uh, I, in an article that was quoted um, Bill Armstrong in it of, I like where we are now. I was surprised at the start that we didn't accumulate some more wins because of the way that we played in the preseason. But I think that was part of the process for us to go through as far as working out who was in the lineup every night. I think it took our coaches a little bit of time to get to know the players and get the right guys in the lineup to help make their systems work and make the team the best it can be. But I like the fact that we've gotten every single, we've gotten better every single game that's what you want, and that's a credit to our coaches. It's interesting that he he brings it up, and I'm glad that you brought it up as well, and the fact that there was – this was a brand-new team, brand-new coaches, brand-new GM, brand-new everything. So it does take a while to get that kind of mesh down. I think people um, looked at preseason and thought that maybe they were getting it – pretty early, but there's been a lot of people that have been moved around. There's been some, er some injuries, as you mentioned, Carter Hutton. I, I so sorry for the man, but it's just, I see no future for him at this point. It's just such a, a terrible showing um, coming out at the beginning of the season. And, you know, a lot of thanks have to go, as you said, to Wedgwood and the fact that he came in, he came in strong, and, uh, you know, we always joke about the fact that he had that same history of killing that losing streak with the Coyotes previously as well. But the way that he came in was so strong and finally, I think, gave this team a little bit of confidence that they could grow on game after game after game. And, you know, it allowed them to be three, two and one last six games. So seeing where they're going I like you said is a big deal that they're staying competitive in these games and that they're making them interesting to watch because you have to keep fans invested. I think 
Also, um, you have Shane Gossespierre and you have uh, Scott Wedgwood creating some really great um, storylines as well to be a fan, to really be able to hold on to those. And before you didn't really have any of those, considering the fact that these were a lot of new players and, you know, everyone is invested in certain players. Um, Like people wanted to see Barrett Hayton do well and he's gotten better, but he still is not producing like uh, we've all wanted him to basically do. And um, Keller added on some weight during the off season and has definitely been looking better. But again, he's also not on a team that's highly competitive and he's not really on um, a line with, with some solid centermen. So, you know, it's take that or leave that. But we have these storylines of of them and and Chikrin and and these people that you're you're kind of wanting to see growth out of, but it's so hard to see that on a team that is not doing well and isn't very cohesive. So the fact that there is two breakouts, I really feel like that really are showing great promise on in their own career in their own right and the fact of two people that uh, essentially kind of got written off at the beginning of the season people basically thought both of them were going kind of downhill in their careers and they're showing a resurgence and everyone kind of loves a uh, comeback or an underdog story so it's great in that end too that we're able to actually find some storylines, not just as, you know, us who cover the team, but, um, but fans as well to really latch on to and really kind of cheer for whether this team is winning or losing. Yeah. And uh, kind of playing into this conversation here is, uh, you know, Jose Romero for the Republic wrote a piece this week prior to Thanksgiving that I think is interesting. And it, and it talks to kind of, the idea of the culture of this organization moving forward as far as the on-ice product is concerned. Now, of course, that starts with your your GM, Bill Armstrong, and your head coach, Andre Torini. And the title of the article is, Arizona Coyotes remain close-knit and upbeat through rough start and injuries. A great quote from Antoine Roussel here, one, of course, one of the newer Coyotes on the roster. He said, to be honest with you, it's the most tight group I've been in, like ever. A bunch of great guys top to bottom and everybody hangs out together pretty well. It's too bad because we didn't start the way we wanted, but kind of reversed it in the last week, and we sure hope to keep it that way. And that's a good thing, right? Like, to me, that's the kind of organizational culture you want to build, which is you you want a group of guys to be excited to come to the rink every day to and be around their teammates, right? I, and, you know, and – you could say what you will about guys like uh, some Evander Kane, for example, who's a toxic piece of garbage, right? Or Anthony D'Angelo, who's a toxic piece of garbage. And there's a reason why uh, Evander Kane is now going back down to the San Jose Barracuda. Um, I don't know how Anthony D'Angelo is still in the league, for goodness sake. Uh, and good for the Hurricanes, I guess, that they're the top of one of the best teams in the league, but screw them for signing D'Angelo. But like, like you said – this team is easy to root for. There are a lot of guys on this roster that are likable guys. And that's kind of, I think that's kind of what Antoine Roussel was getting out there and kind of what you were talking about. Like when you have a team who's full of new players and new faces and, and guys playing for the future of their lineup, like it's nice to have guys to root for, you know, and 
And you go and you look at their their top scorers this year for the Coyotes, and it's no different because it's it's some names that I think you wouldn't think about, right? If you look at the top goal scorers this year, the leading goal scorer this year has five goals, and there is a three-way tie with Clayton Keller, Lawson Kraus, and Travis Boyd is one of the leading goal scorers on the roster this year, which is wild to me. But Lawson Kraus, perfect example. Like one of, I think a fan favorite player, and I'm glad he's he's finally figuring things out this year after having such a bad year last year where he couldn't find the back of the net to save his life. So, again, he's one of those guys that's playing for a future with this team, and he's playing very well this year. And and you mentioned Craig's article, and Lawson Kraus is one of the guys he pointed out as being a very positive storyline for this team this year. And because uh, I hope Lawson sticks Lawson and his dog Butter Pig Kraus stick around for for years to come because I think he's a he's a nice player on this roster. Yeah, and we've always said that. Speaking of people and things that are easy to root for, his dog is very easy to root for. Everyone loves that dog. I think people underestimate how well dogs and babies do. People love them. Yes, this is true. <laughs> but I think also the other thing that is is nice to see in all of this too is there was a while there that fans and analysts that were, were kind of getting a little bit uncomfortable with how bad this team was. Like you were naming off some of those games in the beginning where they lost by a lot. Your uh, you even asked Siri and they Siri had said they'd gotten annihilated one night. So. Um, People were starting to wonder if he had cut too deep into this team. He did a whole flush, you know, ground up type of rebuild where um, he's really just looking for the future of this team. But that's a really nerve wracking thing to go into because you're betting on something that is in future draft picks and those draft picks being worth it being um nhl ready relatively quickly and also that you know they're going to fill the spots that you need in this lineup but you are we're seeing a core group of guys that were supposed to be able to pull this team along still and weren't doing it, it caused a lot of concern amongst a lot of people. And I think this is starting to calm them a little bit and see that there is still some potential in this team. Um, So if they, you know, as soon as they start adding on towards the future and taking some pieces out and putting some new ones in, that this team can really be good in the future. But um I think it just really was nice to calm a lot of the fears that he may have gone a little too far. Yeah. And I don't know who was starting to say that. I don't think fans were starting to say that, to be honest. I think I got into a conversation with a couple people about that. Interesting. It was actually a straight up concern of the fact of, have you gotten to this point where there is no return. You've t- you've torn it down all the way to such bare bones. You're you're counting on the fact that the draft lottery gets you a good pick and that you're able to get 
the players you need and that you're not um, wasting away some of the good years of some of those uh, core players on your team. And um, it's funny, one of one of them that I was talking to had, had brought up the whole Garland trade again. And I will always say if there's one person that I miss the most, from this team, it is Connor Garland. Oh, I agree. I agree about that for sure. But I don't understand the thinking of of going like I've said this in the offseason. I'm gonna say it again. There's only one way to do a rebuild, and it's to do it all the way. If you do it, I do a half rebuild, and you're not all the way in. You're screwing yourselves over in the long term. So the only way to do it is to do exactly what the Coyotes did. And I understand the concerns with Connor Garland. I do. He scored another goal for the Vancouver Canucks in their loss against uh, Boston, right? Um, but, again, what did they get out of that trade? Well, they got Dylan Gunther, who's having a heck of a season for the Edmonton Oil Kings. In fact, they, he scored yet another goal, I believe, uh, in his last most recent game over this weekend for the Oil Kings. And you talk about bright futures, like, he's it. Right, so yeah, you move on from Connor Garland, but then you get the guy you get to replace him is Dylan Gunther, who maybe even better than Connor Garland, right? In terms of being a kind of a pure goal scorer instead of a guy that's going to bring grit and some sandpaper to your lineup, like a Connor Garland does. Oh yeah, who has and he has the skill to back it up too. So um, yeah, I don't understand why that was ever why that was ever a any sort of conversation. Like, I don't think you and I ever had it on this show before. Like, as you and I, I think both agreed that, like, listen, this is the only way to do this, right? And to then have some secondary questions about that this early is kind of wild because you're, first of all, they're betting all in on the 2022 draft now, right? And so we don't know how that's going to turn out until it actually happens. And so to, to say, like, oh, we think he went overboard – Way, way too early to say that. Way, way too early. And speaking of that, by the way, um, before we forget, since we're on this topic, I think we should do our Tankathon simulator again. Yes, I, I'm i very nervous about this. I feel like nothing good can come from the simulator every single time we do this. And it makes me uncomfortable. Okay, so, okay, so- the updated NHL Draft Lottery Simulator includes the Ottawa Senators now having the worst record in the league because they've played less games than the Coyotes. So according to this simulator, the Senators have a 16.6% chance and the Coyotes have a 12.1% chance. However, if you go by points per game percentage, um, the Ottawa Senators, even by that metric, have a worse record just barely by percentage points than the Coyotes do. So... Here we go. The Coyotes again with a 12.1% chance of earning the number one overall pick in the 2022 NHL draft. Sim lottery. And we got screwed again, ladies and gentlemen. Not surprised. Where do you think the Coyotes ended up in this version of the simulator? Uh, third. That's correct. I believe for the third straight time now, the Coyotes in our Tankathon simulation are in third. The Ottawa Senators won, Chicago Blackhawks two. 
Oh, that shouldn't even be allowed. Can we get like some extra thing where you can get some bad karma juju for just being not nice? You know? Uh, Yes, I agree. I don't know how they still have that draft pick at all. I don't know what the NHL is thinking there, but alas, they do for now. Uh, That was my most polite way of saying any of that. Right. (laughs) But yeah, I, I, that's not fair, but uh, nothing in the draft lottery is ever fair. Um, Once again, I will say, because you said uh, Ottawa was the first one, right? Correct. Yep. Another Canadian team with the first overall pick. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Just saying. And I will continue to say that until it doesn't happen. (laughs) <laughs> it has happened i think every single time in our uh simulation hasn't it yeah yeah i think montreal won it once um i before that there's i think it was i think it was ottawa maybe and then um and then yeah ottawa again see rigged rigged yes it's rigged if our team doesn't win <laughs> but I, yeah no that that is actually probably the most true thing i've ever heard is the uh it's always rigged if yeah i we all need to just uh, accept the fate now if we're pleasantly surprised when the draft com- when the draft lottery comes but if we've already prepared for disappointment then we don't get disappointed. <laughs> eh? Eh? It's how I've lived yes. my life as a Vikings fan. I think a lot of Arizona sports fans think the same way as you do there too. You expect disappointment and then you come become pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a good way. That's a very good way to put it for sure. Yeah. There's an art to this. <laughs> All right. Do we have uh, Do we have anything else, Kyrie's related? You wanted to talk about before we go? I do not believe so. I I was gonna do an entire thing about the great storyline of of Scott Wedgwood, but I already threw it into an earlier conversation. So, you know, it all just ties Every, together. Yeah, everything everything ties together. It's great. This yeah, is, I, this is this is how much effort we put into the show. Everything is a time is a flat circle. <laughs> we we don't know where we're going we we have a, a a small gist sometimes we're like yeah these are some things that we want to cover but you know you get us talking about coyotes hockey it could literally go in so many different directions all right quick one last thing before we go i do have some random shit stories to bring up here first um let's see here ah here we go We'll do, oh yes, let's do this one first because I think this one's more fun and more more on par for our show. So there is a a brand new uh, poll out of the UK that was done, um, where they surveyed um, two thousand music loving adults, and it was commissioned by M- Music Box. Um, and they asked the British people about the bands and the artists who are the coolest and the bands and the artists who are the least cool. 
And I thought this was fascinating. And so I want to see if you can guess one band from the cool top five coolest artists and one band slash artist from the top five least cool artists. Okay. And now this is, what are the rules of this? Are there any stipulations? Um, as far as I know, no, it's, it's just all time. So we're all time, not current, cur uh, past, current artist bands are eligible. Okay. So, um, gosh, I'm thinking of one, but I don't know if I want to choose the lead singer of the band or if I should choose the band. Okay. This is interesting. Um, if, I was going to. I was going to say uh, Mick Jagger. He is part of the Rolling Stones, so we'll count that. Rolling Stones number six on the top forty coolest artists list. Okay, okay, so uh, so okay, so I didn't know if they would throw throw him or if they throw the entire band in there. So that's why I was mm -hmm. like wondering. Yes. Okay, so that one. Oh gosh, who else is under? cool i want to know how many of these are male and how many of these are female too now i'm getting very curious about all of these um she probably wouldn't be i was thinking joan jett but she wouldn't be in that probably um i don't even know who else to choose after that that's my first um I'm trying to think of a female too that I don't know why I can't think of any like any current anything right now. I think maybe it's because my entire brain has been filled up by Taylor Swift, I feel like lately. <laughs> uh, she is on the list. She's number 17 on the coolest artist. Yes. I was I was hoping she would be, but I wasn't positive. She also um, makes the least cool list as well. She she had a very she had a very good awkward stage in there, you know. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um. Oh my god! I don't. I don't know. Can I get a clue? Can I get a phone a friend? Um. Uh. Yes. What do do you want a clue as to the? Okay. So you were talking about the. A female, the highest female on the list is inside the top five. Mm -hmm. And she also just put out a brand new album. We're not talking about Adele, are we? We are talking about Adele. She's number five on the top 40 coolest artists. I, I would not have. I think she's amazing, but I wouldn't have put her as cool. That is not the, the verbiage I would have used for her. I mean, I find yeah. her cool as in, like, brilliant artistry type of uh -huh. cool, but not, like, cool as, like, suave. You feel me? Yes, I understand that for sure. All right, so let me go through quickly as we wrap up the show here. The top five on each end of the spectrum. Top 40 coolest. Number one, Queen. Number two, The Beatles. Number three, Ed Sheeran. Number four, ABBA. Number five, Adele. 
the top 40 least cool, the top how five. Did are... I not, how did I not figure out Queen? I'm very disappointed in myself. If there's anything that you will have ever learned from the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, it is about how cool Queen is. Yes, I agree with that 100%. And then the top 40 least cool, two of these, I have no idea who they are. In fact, three of them, really. Um, number one, Cliff Richard. No clue who that is. No number idea. two, Daniel O'Donnell. No clue who that is. No number idea. three, Kanye West. Number four, Robbie Williams. And number five, Madonna. Uh, so <laughs> Kanye West was on there? Yes. I'm I'm slightly laughing my ass off. I'm I'm a relatively again people will probably hate me for this. I'm a relatively large Kanye hater, so that's hilarious. Um, but then uh, what was five again? Madonna. Madonna. I was never a Madonna person, personally. Um, but I I could kind of see it. It's funny. I think people. Thought she was hot shit though. Like she was super cool. So I yeah, I agree. Yeah, she was back in the early to mid nineties, she was the shit. Absolutely. So that's why I don't understand. I was never I mean, I think I was past that era. You know, when when I was born and everything, I was past that. So I don't think I really enjoyed much of Madonna, but I feel like back in that time she was. Now this makes me wonder, is Britney Spears on either of these? Let's see. Because you have the the Queen of Pop. What about the Princess of Pop? Uh Uh-huh. Let's see. It doesn't appear that she is. They're they're indifferent on her. After the Free Britney movement, they're not touching it. Yep. Do not not see her on the list. But um, I will make one point about this list. And I will recommend this to you as to as well to anybody else listening in the Sporty Nation. Brand new documentary out on Disney Plus over the weekend called Get Back. It is an eight hour long documentary about the Beatles and the making of um, Let It Be, the album. And it takes place over the course of three weeks. Because they had, they were given essentially three weeks to basically put on one final performance, basically, um, and their first live performance as a band in years. And because they, because Ringo was going to go off and film a movie of all things, so they had this tight window. And this documentary goes day by day, and it charts how the band managed to come up right everything surrounding their what was their finally their final album that was ever released and put out as a band obviously called let it be and and uh it's terrific it's it's amazing if you are a beatles fan um if you're a music fan at all it's well worth watching it's it's absolutely incredible and the way it's done is essentially all this footage that you see and we'll see in this documentary was filmed at the time. And there was apparently 60 hours of video footage that were obtained 
for the making of this particular documentary. And there were hundreds of hours of audio recordings as well. And they, they had to cut it down to eight hours for this particular series. And everything is restored. So everything you're seeing is, I believe, restored brand new to 4K quality. And it's, it's, in, it's, in, it's cool. It's just all it is. There's no narration. All you get is the cameras rolling on these four geniuses as they write this inc- write and produce this incredible album and it's enthralling to watch and it's enthralling to watch uh john uh paul ringo and george come up with these songs on the fly a lot of times basically and how they put together these songs and how they interacted at the time as they were coming to the end of their tenure together as a band it's just it's so good. I cannot recommend it enough. I haven't even finished it myself. I'm about an episode and a half in. Um, and uh, apparently it ends with the entire rooftop performance on Apple Studios, which is iconic, completely restored. And I can't, I can't wait for that. Cannot recommend it enough. Um, if you're a Beatles, like I said, if you're a Beatles fan, even if you're not, and you're just a music fan, I recommend watching it. It's, it's incredible. It's 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 so enthralling. It's so good and so cool. It's called Get Back. It's up on Disney Plus right now. Directed by Peter Jackson, who directed Lord of the Rings of all things. That is, that is very interesting. I I was not expecting that at all. But yeah, no, that sounds actually amazing. I will definitely have to watch that. Um, I do like the Beatles. Actually, once you said Get Back, I just started singing. Um, I turned off my mic so none of you could hear me. But um, so, yeah, I'll definitely, definitely have to watch it. Like, it sounds amazing. And I love watching any of those. It's always so interesting to me. It's also super interesting to me um, to like to literally just listen to musicians who it just so easily comes to them writing songs. It's crazy because you're watching someone's just like brilliant gift. And that is one of the things that, um, you know, we always talk about like Taylor Swift on here a fair amount, but I think that is one of the things that is, I am so enthralled by with her is just how naturally it comes to her, you know, like all too well being written out of frustration before she, as she's preparing for a concert on tour, you know, it's that type of stuff that's brilliant. And, um, the Beatles, um, some people say they're overrated. Some people don't. But in the end, they started a movement. And it was just from a brilliant gift that they had that changed music. And so it's it, that's awesome that that's going on. A little side note, though. Someone I want to add to the list is ZZ Top. Many people may not know, but... They are some of the coolest dudes ever. They would play in like some black sunglasses with fuzzy guitars that they could spin around and all sorts of stuff. It was a very cool concert. Um, Obviously, um, one of the members of ZZ Top has has passed away recently. So um, you won't get to ever see that live again. But uh, look them up on YouTube. Cool concerts. 
Yeah, they yeah, did not make the made list, them. but I, I can, I one hundred percent concur with that. Never got to see them live, obviously, but uh, I, I, I agree with them. That their whole persona was just like exuding cool. Um, considering one of their songs is called "Sharp Dressed Man." <laughs> yeah, and that's what, and they, uh, they had like a whole Blues Brothers thing that they kind of like rocked with for a while. With, you know, the cheap sunglasses and that whole thing because they had that whole song. And yeah, so it just, they were really cool. I mean, I think I was only 13, 14 or whatever when I went to go see them. Probably 13. And um, I thought it was really freaking cool. And I was a young kid who definitely did not grow up during the time of you know their height but still being able to to see them perform they just exuded coolness so that's my addition to the list that's a good choice i agree with that all right well we have run the gamut on the show we've talked about pies we've talked about music we've talked about alcohol and we talked about the coyotes so i think that's a really perfect Sporty episode, in my opinion. We touched on all the hits. Yes. (laughs) You know Uh, what we're going to talk about on here, I swear to God. We don't even know half the time. It just starts going in a direction. We just go with it. And I'm glad you guys go on this journey with us. Yes. I 100% agree with that. Thanks to everybody who tuned in and and listened to all of our Taylor Swift episodes. Um, We appreciate that. Kind of taking that sidetrack with us is... Corey and I did our, our song draft, which I still need to put out the results of in case everybody missed it. Um, I'll make a graphic so you guys can see it on Twitter and you guys can vote on who you think had the better list. And um, and I'm curious to see what people say. I will point out that a friend of the show, Jordan, I sent, her our, I sent her our lists and I left our names out of it. And, and she chose uh, – she chose – my list as the better list. However, did say that um, there was really no wrong answers, basically. And said um, that mine had a lot more classics in it. Thank you. Yes, which is which was on brand for for you, knowing knowing what we know about you and your Taylor Swift history. So, um, but however, Jordan did not figure out whose list was whose. She thought your list was mine, and I was very disappointed in that. Because I feel like I have a Taylor Swift, Swift brand, and that brand is having not really become a fan until after 1989, and my list was very post 1989 heavy. I feel like for the most part, because there's a lot, there was several songs from Evermore and several songs from 1989 on there, and so I'm surprised, Jordan, that you did not figure that out. I don't know if she's listening, probably not, but very disappointed that she did not figure out that my list was my list. Well, at least she will know now. She yes, she's figured it out, and uh, I doubt she'll mix it up again because now she knows very intimately what our favorites are. Yes, exactly. All right, Sporty Nation, uh, thanks for listening to the show. We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, happy holidays and Christmas and Kwanzaa and oh, Happy Hanukkah. We're recording on the first night of Hanukkah, so oh, it for is. our Jews, Happy Hanukkah, yes. everybody. Yeah, so for our our Jewish. Jewish listener listeners out there, um, 
happy Hanukkah for the next eight nights. And uh, until then, till our next show, uh, good night and good hockey, everybody.